When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Across the Romaverse, episode 164. Just uh, just under 24 hours since Roma's 4-2 defeat at the Olimpico at the hands of the league leaders, Inter Milan. Jim, plenty to, to unpack in this one. I think there's some really good things to unpack, some 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 not-so-good things, obviously, when you lose match 4-2. But uh, how are you feeling just about 24 hours after you've had to, to a chance to like digest this match and the way it played out? I think I'm feeling the best that I could possibly feel after a 4-2 loss. And as you said, you know, like, it's not like a two-goal loss is something you ever want. But at the same time, as we said, leading into this match, Inter has lost one match all season um, and has drawn only three. Uh, Their default is effectively to win a match. You got to respect the team structure, even if you have to raise an eyebrow at the finances. And... What I will say is that I certainly didn't expect Roma to be up 2-1 at halftime. And I think that that shows a certain level of tactical wherewithal that, you know, can be built on in the long term. So as much as we were saying coming into this match that the Inter-Roma match was going to be a massive test for Daniele De Rossi, I would actually go as far as to suggest that he passed it in the sense that Roma definitely looked like they had fight. And in fact, I think one of the biggest problems Roma had in the second half was simply that kind of the wheels fell off in in terms of an energy level issue. Um, And based off of the weather, you know, I mean, it was torrentially pouring rain basically the entire match. It's somewhat understandable that if you put the pedal to the metal like they did for the first 45, that a lot of your players might not have the the juice necessary to, to like kind of close the deal in the second 45 when you're de- dealing with let's just be honest a decent amount of a talent gap between these two sides yeah it really ended up being a tale of two halves um like you said and, and the the commentators commented on the energy levels probably it was probably about by the 60th minute or so when when roma had to start chasing when they would they did go down to that second goal too uh which ended up being an own goal from angelino Turam was there he probably would have put it in anyway so um hard to blame Angelino on that one but that was what put Roma down and then and then shortly thereafter Roma's chasing possession a bit we're getting worn down a bit um <clears throat> but when you mentioned the first half like when when Roma was up at halftime after conceding first you were like wow like this is this yeah. is fun again right um yeah. I, I think in general it's much more fun to watch these days even losing 4-2 it's much more fun to watch than some of our our drab you know even I don't want to say it's better than a victory because you know three points is always the the target but just the entertainment factor of the matches has definitely gone up with the, the change of style of play. And Roma came out the aggressors in the first half. And I was so pleased with that in the first 15 minutes or so. And then a Cherby scored that goal off of the, the, the clearance from Lukaku went right to him, right onto his head. And he headed it back across the face of goal and went into the far, far corner. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, like Roma had this nice little spell to open the match. And then here we are down and you're like, well, let's see how they can, kind of recover from that because prior to that it was it was it was more Roma than Inter for sure before I will goal. note though I feel like it's important for us to note that that goal took an awful long time to get confirmed um, yes um that that first goal there were questions about you you know players being offside things like that and it did go to my bar. yeah and my understanding of the offside rule is that it's that can be basically decided by the ref like if the ref wants like I think it's one of the many rules where an Italian referee can basically decide how they want it to go. There's um, some gray area there, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I 100% agree that, you know, in the first 20 or so minutes of this match, Roma looked aggressive. Um, Roma didn't just look aggressive. They looked pretty defensively sound as well. Mm-hmm. And there were multiple chances that were coming out of it. Now, I do think it's kind of fascinating that if you look at expected goals uh, for this match, both teams were under one. I think that's yes. probably more a side effect of the terrible conditions that they were playing in than anything else, because 
obviously, I mean, six goals were scored in this match um, and not all by one side. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, you know, square this idea that there were only really like one and a half goals expected. I do think a lot of that does simply come down to the fact that this type of match is a nightmare for a goalkeeper. Um, yes. This, these types of conditions are a nightmare for a goalkeeper. And obviously we'll be discussing more about Reed Patricio's performance in this one later in the pod. Uh, spoiler alert, I wasn't that impressed. But uh, at the same time, there is a reason why this was such a high-scoring affair, and it wasn't because Roma's defense was bad, in my opinion. I think it was more along the lines of Marcus Turam is excellent. And beyond that, these conditions just were not beneficial to Roma and the style of match that they wanted to play for the full 90. Yeah. Going back to the goal, you mentioned that it took a while to be confirmed. There's definitely some gray area. I think by the rule of law, right, that's a goal that could and maybe should be called back because Taram was in an offside position, was next to Patricio when it was played. But on the on the on the flip side, if you're looking at it, and if it, if it had been Roma the other way, like Lukaku in that position, and and they were reviewing that, you'd be probably you know furious if it got called back as a Romanista because he didn't really make contact with Patricio. He was moving away from Patricio, and the ball was going the other direction. So I can see why the goal is confirmed. It's one of those things that you can probably debate all day, depending on which side of the argument you're on. Um, but it was one of those ones that you know it stung because it was a cherubi too, and then he. Apparently yeah. flipped the bird to the to the Roma fans uh, from his Lazio pass. They've so got a lot of yeah. yeah. They've got a lot of ex Laziales. I forget about that every now and then. Yeah, it's I feel like they go shopping at Lazio a lot for like some of their talents. Right? It was Devry, yeah. uh, Cherubi. There were there there was a, a spell where they had like three or four ex uh, Lazio players. I remember they would sign the standouts from Lazio. I think it was um, who's the Brazilian midfielder? Like uh, it must have been like seven or eight years ago. They got from Lazio too. I can picture him. I can't mm-hmm. think of his name. Uh, yeah. even wore number eight, but I, like there, there was a there was a, a time where they did go shopping at Lazio a lot. They had that connection um, in terms of you know player transfers. But anyway, so it was that, and then you know, but Roma bounced back quickly, and and they yeah. lovely, lovely goal, um, Pellegrini to Mancini. Lorenzo Pellegrini is by all means back, in my opinion. Now, now it's four matches in a row where he has contributed, and he's contributed in a big way. I mean, the ball that he put on Mancini's head on that free kick was lovely. Um, you know, curled it in perfectly. Pretty deep free kick. Curled it in. Every You know, all the players are running toward the goal. And, and Mancini, pretty open for, for this scenario, headed it perfectly into the goal. All of a sudden, Roma was back. Uh, I got in trouble a little bit for my wife because she was trying to put my son down for his nap before his second birthday party. Um, mm, happy birthday. Told, you know, maybe, yes. <laughs> I was told maybe scream into the pillow next time. But yeah. um, it was it was certainly a great feeling to see that go and get Roma right back into the match and and like you said that first half was really good from Roma and then we got the bonus of the El Sharari goal right before halftime also assisted by Pellegrini um, yeah. it was it was a very nice goal from El Sharari it was it was scuffed a bit so it wasn't off his left foot the way you would want it to come off but it ended up being perfect because it hit two posts and in. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, Roma's up at halftime. Like, they could do this, right? Um, yeah. The halftime stat line, Roma was up at half, 2-1. XG was 0.31 to 0.08, which speaks to the fact that the only real chance Inter had was the one goal by a cherry that was only shot on goal. Roma had three shots on target. Um, possession was 49-51. Roma was pretty much even with Inter. So very, very good first half. Uh, and then the tail of two half started, right? Because... Inter came out flying in the second half. I don't know what kind of pep talk they got in the locker room, what kind of, you know, they, they saw maybe in the tactics that they could exploit, and they did exploit it a bit because shortly thereafter, Taram in the 49th minute and then in the 56th minute, I mentioned that on, on, on Helinho, uh own goal that really Taram was right there with him that probably would have been put in by Taram anyway. So you look at two goals really quick, and, and I said after the first goal, like just four minutes of that, I said they gave that goal up too quick, and then there you are yeah. minutes later. The, the third one comes and Rome was really up against it after that because Inter yeah. carried the momentum for a good while after that. Um, you know, Roma probably didn't really threaten again until pretty late into the second half, um, which then got, they got caught out for that fourth goal. Like the fourth goal to me is like, is a throwaway because you're pushing everybody forward into the box in the 90th minute, just looking for the equalizer any way you can. Mm-hmm. But those that that Taram goal really hurt because that Taram goal opened everything up for Inter, and then it was kind of like that that early punch that like takes the wind out of your sails because Roma did have the wind going in the, into the locker room. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to give up a goal less than five minutes into the first second half. Uh, I definitely felt like Roma had the energy coming out of the first half, but the best way to take the wind out of those sails is to score within the first five minutes of the second half. And that's exactly what Taram was able to do. Uh, as I said before, you know, I think over the years, Lautaro Martinez has gotten correctly a lot of, you know, plaudits for playing very, very well. I've been most more impressed with Marcus Taram uh, this season. Uh, whenever I watch Inter, he just looks like a revelation to me. Uh, and this match was no exception. To me, he looked, granted, you know, I, I think you can qualify this by saying Paolo Dybala and Romelu Lukaku were not their best today or yesterday. But Yeah, that, that we got to talk about them in a minute for sure. But but Taram looked like the best player on the pitch and it wasn't particularly close to me. Um, I really do think that a lot of that does come down to some poor performances on the part of the goalkeeper. Uh, it's no secret at this point that Rui Patricio is in his last couple months as Roma's starting goalkeeper, let alone a player on Roma's payroll. Um, reports indicate that he will be seeing out the end of his contract and then moving on as a free agent. We can discuss his time in Rome at a later date. But uh, matches like this don't make me super torn up that he'll be gone by the time the next season rolls around. Uh, the the Angelino own goal, I can't I can't fault him too much for that one. I mean, obviously, an own goal is not ever something that you want, but at the same time, that to me looked far more like a Marcus Toram second goal than you know something that was intentionally stupid on the part of Angelino. So, and like compared to, compared to how our left backs have usually looked, I have still been more, far more impressed with Angelino in a Roma kit than I have been with Spinazzola or anything like that. Though Spinazzola did show some signs of life in this match. I do have to say to his credit, when he came in, in the 61st minute after Roma was down, um, he did show signs of life. He looked better. Um, and if that's the type of play that he can put in on a more consistent basis, then great. But as of right now, you know, I will say that I think that Roma's biggest weak links in this match were the wingbacks and the goalkeeper, which is not really much of a surprise. Um, those are definitely the two problem areas that Roma is going to have to fix in the summer, uh, especially with the Tommaso Baldanzi signing in January. I feel like the midfield's pretty stocked up, even without, even if you lose Renato Sanchez, because I mean, what are you really getting from him at this point? Mm -hmm. um, when you think about the attack. I mean, it's obviously a question of whether Romelu Lukaku will stick, stick around. But even if he doesn't, you've got Tammy Abraham coming back from his tear in March. And hopefully that means that, you know, in the summertime, he's really, you know, ramping back up, getting up to speed and able to play at the level that we know he can play at, uh, which really just leaves those fullback positions and goalkeeper as a place where Roma's really need, going to need to invest this summer. Um, honestly, that was my biggest takeaway in terms of Roma's long term here. Just it made it very clear what positions Roma needs to bone up in before it can really take the fight to enter in a consistent manner, um, in a way that like stretches out to ninety minutes. Because especially like this, this tactic is far less um, reliant on fullbacks or wingbacks than the Mourinho tactic was. But even still. You can't have players, you can't have Karsdorp and, and, and like, you know, Angelino on a bad day or Spinazzola on a bad day as your fullbacks expect to be successful um, in this current tactical environment. So for me, I do think that there were an awful lot of positives to look at from this match in terms of, you know, as I said already, getting out ahead of Inter after being down 1-0. I was talking about this with a friend of mine who's also a Roma fan. If... If you wanted to buy before this match that Roma was simply getting the new manager bounce, I would have granted it to you. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, after this 4-2, I actually don't really believe that we're in the new manager bounce phase anymore. Not because I think that the honeymoon's over, though obviously, you know, a two-goal loss is not great. More because I think that if it had all been down to a new manager bounce, Roma would have gotten down 1-0 and just, you know, collapsed. I think that mentality-wise that first goal would have killed everything. And what I saw yesterday was not a side that took one, one goal and lost. Um, what I saw was a side that came back and scored two to get ahead again. 
um, and then quite obviously just kind of fell apart due to exhaustion, among other issues. So that implies to me that tactically speaking, we're actually looking at something that might be able, we might be able to build on in a medium to long term sense. Does that mean Champions League football is right around the corner? I mean, I'm not entirely sure there. We know that, you know, there's going to be, there's a Milan Napoli uh, today, or probably by the time that we've recorded, that game will be done and dusted. But looking at the standings right now, Roma's in sixth with 24 matches played. Um, they're one point behind Bologna with 23 played. Um, they're two points behind Atalanta, who are currently playing Genoa. Uh, given that this is still anyone's race for fourth or fifth and everyone loses to enter, not to say that Roma should lose to enter, but everyone loses to enter. Yeah. And so I'm not entirely worried that, you know, the wheels are going to fall off now because Roma lost to enter because there's literally one team in all of Serie A who hasn't lost to Inter and they're currently in 16th place. Um, Sassuolo is in 16th and like, it's not like they're, it, it, it's not going to crown you a Champions League side to beat Inter or draw to Inter. If anything, clearly it doesn't because Sassuolo is in a pretty bad way. So on the whole, am I disappointed that this was a loss? Yes. Am I surprised? Not really. And I still think that there are some big positives to take from this um, match in general. Yeah, so you mentioned Patricio. I was just looking at the stats. I mean, at, at times he looked like he was in quicksand, or as my buddy yeah. texted me, like cement shoes. Um, goals prevented in this match uh, of what he was expected to prevent, negative 1.66, right? I think a lot of that is probably the Acherby goal because the XG on that one was so low. Uh, some of it probably on the Taram goal too. I think he was going the wrong way on that one, if I remember correctly. Um you know, not much he could have done on the on the on Helinion goal, from what I remember, and, and definitely on the, the counterattack. You know, I know he got a paw on Bastoni's shot a little bit, but it was just blasted and it went through him. Uh, yeah. yeah, he we, we, we've been talking about it for a while now. I mean, Bren's been on the anti-Patricio bandwagon for a while on the site as well. Yeah. Um, you know, his time is up. He, he was a solid veteran for us that first season. Uh, not so great these last two. And, you know, his career is coming, coming to a close. We'll see if he ends up in, like, Portugal to finish things out or, or what happens with him. But um, one other one I want to mention, Jim, were you – how surprised were you that Dean uh, Housen got the start over uh, Diego Lorente? And, and you know what? He did not look like he didn't fit the part for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're officially – I mean, this may be premature. In fact, it is because he's 18 years old and has barely played any Serie A football. But I feel like, like we officially moved ball. past – We've officially moved past the discussion of why did we sign Dean Housen um, and moved into is Roma going to try to either extend this loan or take him on permanently mm-hmm. in the summer. Now, I think that the stats kind of don't lie. So, so I mean, kind of lie here. Sofa score gave him a 6-4 um, as his rating for the match. I thought he was better than that. Um, I thought that he did a pretty solid job um, throughout the match. I think that it's a vote of confidence from Daniele De Rossi, yeah. uh, like a serious one. The rumors are also at this point that the plan for Lorente is to pay his fee and then flip him to PSG for like 25 million euros. So, you know, if you if we don't have a DS at the moment or a GM, but you could see the internal logic on display, particularly if you want to do more of a youth movement where you say, okay, we're going to flip um, Lorente. And we're going to use that money to either, you know, cross your fingers and get a nice option on an extension for a loan for Hausen or just buy him outright because he's been looking great. Um, He's looked like the type of defender, honestly, in terms of the combination of youth and ability to look like you've been there before. The only person that I can think of is Marquinhos. Um, Marquinhos came in with next to no experience. And he had the physical tools, but that was about it. Um, and But the moment that he started getting minutes, he just looked like he belonged on a top-flight team. And that's where Houston is. Um, I, I think it's honestly a great comparison. Uh, does that mean that Juventus will get greedy and want to keep him as their fourth or fifth center back? I mean, they've done things like that before, so I wouldn't be overly surprised. But I would say that putting him in the starting lineup against Inter is definitely a statement of intent, not only from, you know, De Rossi himself, but probably from the club as well. Um, 
in the sense that as much as Roma can, you know, negotiate with Juventus for an extension of his loan or a, or a purchase, they also have to convince him, the player, that it makes more sense to be in Roma than in Juventus, with Juventus, who are, you know, obviously a constant Champions League side. So part of the way that they're going to be able to convince him of that is theoretically by starting him as much as possible. Uh, and I think that we're probably seeing a little bit of that on display now that he just looks that good. Um, and I'm going to be interested to see how the next couple months play out for him, not only in terms of, you know, how he plays, but how much other sides start adapting to him. Because one of the big things that does happen sometimes for definitely talented young players, but talented young players who are new to the scene is that they often have, you know, kind of an adrenaline rush uh, in their first month or two of being a top flight footballer where teams aren't game planning for them as much. And it's just impossible for like, you know, as a, as an attacker, sometimes these 18 year olds are able to score, rack up a couple goals simply because nobody knows how they play yet. And the same is true for defenders that like, if you are Marcus Taram or Lautaro Martinez going against Dean Housen, you've never played against Dean Housen before. And not only yeah. that, there's such limited scouting material on him. That's like, well, he's a defender and this is his height. And this is kind of how he played in the Primavera level, but that's about it. And I will be very curious to see how he looks in April and May. Uh, if he looks the same now as he does now, then I think the Marquinhos comparisons will be fair and essentially earned. Um, if he just comes back to earth, then, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, and I would imagine that Roma, it'll be a little bit easier for Roma to extend his loan, but particularly given how much longer it usually takes defenders to become starting 11 caliber for a top flight side. Like in my head, usually the, the timeline for that is 24, 25, 26, when you really see defenders become yeah. great players. The fact that he looks as good as he does now at age 18, that's, Incredible. And it makes a lot more sense now as to why Roma signed him as opposed to just promoting, you know, one of their many Primavera players who, by all accounts, are quite good for the Primavera level. Yeah, it, it was a huge vote of confidence. That was my biggest takeaway when I saw the starting 11, because if I had I didn't get a chance to do the problem formations piece yesterday because 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 of my son's birthday and setting up and all that I told Brandon that's why I didn't get it in and you know I usually do that every week for for the matches and I would have probably predicted this 11 minus him and put Lorente in right because that that seemed like the logical route to go and when I saw that the release formations I'm like wow this is a big opportunity for this kid and it does give you an opportunity to see what you got here I think it's also like a catch-22 and you have if you decide to negotiate with Juventus and, and they are willing to negotiate if yeah. that happens like maybe he he asks to stay or whatever because he finds his time here good. He sees he's got an opportunity. Like if that if that plays out and he does continue to play solid minutes like he has, um, it's like, yeah, it shows why you have a, a really good opportunity here if you can sign, but it also gives you events a lot of leverage negotiation. So I'm I'm not um too excited about that if it comes down to that. But you know what? When this move was first made and, and they were uh, linking um Kate Rubini, the Primavera captain with Juve in like a, a partial exchange. On, in terms of like giving him up for a loan of housing, I was not too excited about. But if they come calling again and you have to include him or, or another player in, um, you know, negotiations to bring down the cost or something, I would not be so opposed anymore because now we see that this kid can play 18 years old to be yeah. so mature as a center back. I think the Marquinhos comparisons are great um, in terms of the way he's he's so mature at that age. I mean, you could kind of compare him a little bit to Matias Delict, his countryman, but Delict came yeah. from Erdvice before he came to Juventus so he had a little uh you know first team experience prior to coming to Juve but it's got that same kind of feel like a really young Dutch center back that really seems like he can play yeah. um and, and I'm excited to see what he can do and I'm, I'm really hoping Roma can find a way to bring him back next season because if there is a way that you know his path is blocked at Juve and he feels like he can play more here if they yeah. can set up De Rossi or whoever the manager is with uh at least the top three center backs of Mancini Indica and Housen, plus if Smalling decides to stay, things work out with him or something. Like that's a really good foursome for a back four because you only you really only need four center backs when you're playing a back four. Um, yeah, I think it can set them up very nicely. So I did want to mention Housen because I thought he was um, the surprise, and I thought he didn't he didn't really disappoint in terms of playing against the league leaders. The two that did disappoint, in my opinion, Jim, 
have to be. And you mentioned Patricio, of course, but like that these days is kind of expected at times. I thought it was Lukaku Dybala. Dybala was very oh, quiet, yeah. I thought. Not his best I match agree. at all. I don't think the condition suited him, like you said in our group text. Um, yeah. And Lukaku, that chance he had that um, Pellegrini, I think, played that lovely through ball to him, like split two defenders. I'm pretty sure it was Pellegrini, if I remember correctly. Right onto his feet. He's one-on-one with Selmer. Selmer comes out and took it right off Lukaku's feet. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he missed that header wide. Like Those opportunities that he left... Oh man, like that was the chance for 3 3. I thought the yeah. two of them were probably our poorest players based on their quality and what you expect from them. Oh, without a doubt. And I do think that, especially with Dybala, but to a certain extent, Lukaku as well, their play styles don't necessarily work in torrential downpour conditions. Like Dybala is so predicated as a player on being silky smooth that it's a lot harder for a player who's like technically incredible but you know maybe not like the most physically imposing player to truly succeed in these types of conditions i do think that it's important to note that lorenzo pellegrini and when he came on eduardo bove both mm-hmm. looked quite good uh when the, and bove better than cristante even in my opinion um simply because i do think that they've got a little more physicality than dibala and then on the flip side with lukaku I mean, part of it is service, and we know that the Dybala to Lukaku kind of service line is one of the more important things that you can have for Roma right now. Like, if that service line is flowing, Roma can win and win by a lot. If it's not, then it's a little bit harder. Uh, But yeah, I would say that on the whole, Lukaku just felt kind of isolated in this match. Um, And not only that, when he received the balls, it just wasn't, wasn't going in the right direction. And... I do wonder, like, part of me does wonder why they don't play more of these bad weather games under a dome or something. Like, why why these sports teams, like, these soccer clubs often have, like, just downpouring rain. Um, because obviously, you know, in other sports, they, if the weather's bad, they play under a dome quite a lot. Um, and it always seemed to me like you wouldn't want torrential downpour affecting a soccer, a football match if you didn't have to have it. Um, I do think it's important to bring in Dorothy's quotes about Lukaku here because I think that it's not necessarily even important about Lukaku, but it's important about De Rossi as a manager. So what De Rossi said in his post-match presser was, for me, he played the game that everyone else did, but obviously we're not too happy because we lost. I've already done five to six interviews, and I can say that matches are won and lost together. If he had scored, we would have all been happy. If he continues to create three to four chances per game, he will score a lot of goals. Then we should give him some breathing room now that Asmund is back. I'm saying this because there is a bit of leftover fatigue, but Lukaku played a good game. During the week, he has a phenomenal attitude with me and with his teammates. No matter how many times he stays to do extra training, he's a professional. With the older players, then clearly you have to be demanding, and I will talk to him like with all the others. But if we lost, we all did it together. Now, personally, I think that's the best way that you could possibly respond to Mm -hmm. a question about Lukaku's form. I also do think it's really important to note that particularly with Belotti gone, Lukaku has basically been playing the full 90 um, for the past month or so uh, with Asmun out with in the Asian cup of nations and um, Belotti off to Fiorentina, Lukaku was not getting much rest. And I mean, we've seen this time and time again, that like, this is what happened to Pellegrini effectively in season two of the Mourinho experience that he was red hot to start the season and then completely fizzled because he had to play the full 90 time and time again. There's a certain level of athleticism required of players now I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying it is that when you expect your star players to play the full 90 for like a month in a row, nobody can really endure that anymore. I don't think like, I think that especially players who are truly running up and down the pitch on a regular basis, like attackers, like Lukaku does um, it's a lot harder for them to put in like man of the match performances consistently. If they're playing the full 90 for like six weeks straight and I hope that Asmund's return will make life easier for Lukaku. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of injuries piling up before this for Feyenoord before this match that might make it a little bit easier. Maybe, you know, Roma can get ahead in the first leg and kind of be able to have it all done before the second leg. That would be ideal. Um, that might get Asmund more minutes and get Lukaku some time to rest. 
This is the traditional problem for Roma, though. And I think it's really something that separates Roma, Inter from Roma and, to a certain extent, Juventus from Roma as well. Those sides have enough star attackers that they can rotate in and out, um, that they don't have to be like, okay, you're playing the full 90 because we know we need you. And when you're able to do that, it means that all the players can fire on full, all cylinders more regularly. Uh, when you rely on two players effectively uh, to be your attacking juice in Lukaku and Dybala, you got to be very careful about rotating them in and out. And mm -hmm. I think that we're seeing kind of the side effects of kind of running with them into the ground at the moment. Uh, the good news, though, I will say, going back to Pellegrini, is Pellegrini being back and contributing both goals and assists, that's huge. That is huge for Roma in a long-term sense because it will enable Lukaku and Dybala to not have to be at their best every single match. Like, if this match had ended at 2-1 and Lukaku and Dybala hadn't been great, like, we would be annoyed that they hadn't been great, but, like, we'd still be pretty happy that it was a win, of course. And Pellegrini has being more instrumental in the attack will make it easier for Dybala and Lukaku to play get, play matches more regularly and not get tired out and worn down to the point where they don't put in good matches against the teams that matter. Yeah, and I think part of the thing with the Lukaku, like the reason they let Belotti go, right? Lukaku's eating most of the minutes and, and he's a guy who is accustomed to eating a lot of minutes when he's playing uh, and, and hopefully playing well. As Moon was away, right, that that took away from how often you could even pull him in like the 60th or 70th minute of a game that you're winning by a lot of goals, right? Um, <clears throat> so I think now that As Moon's back, you'll see a little more rest for Lukaku. Like, Feyenoord, you probably get Lukaku starting, right? Because he's, he's your star striker, and that, that's a big match in the Europa League first leg. But conversely, next weekend against Frosinone, who shipped four to Fiorentina today, Maybe you get an Osmond start, or maybe you get less minutes for Lukaku, right? I think that's what De Rossi's going to have to toy with. And I think with Tammy coming back, hopefully in March, right, even if he's only able to play 15, 20 minutes a match to start, like, I think they took a little bit of a gamble in some ways of shipping out Belotti, knowing Tammy's coming back. We have to see what we have in, in Tammy still, right? Because Tammy is is weighing on the books, and is, is he the guy you rely on next year if Lukaku isn't brought back? I think there's some of that to it, too. Um, but I do think some of it is probably fatigue with Lukaku. He's been needing a lot of minutes. So that, that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, you talk about the perfect way that De Rossi responded to that question. I think De Rossi has been, you know, the quotes he comes out with, and it's not surprising knowing him from his playing days, like are outstanding, right? He was asked a couple other things that I, I want to just point out some of his quotes. Um, he was asked about the takeaway, key takeaway from this match. Um, was it that Rome wanted to play good football? He said, yes, we do want to play good football. I think there are lots of positives to take away from this match. And a few things we need to learn because if we want to match these top teams, we can't afford to lower our guard because they have quality in their ranks and they'll make you pay. I think it was pretty much evenly matched for most of the game with a few spells when they were on top, mainly at the start of the second half, and a few spells when we were better. In any case, I'm proud of my players' attitude. They gave their all, and the crowd recognized that too. When the fans recognize your efforts, it means something. They don't do it just to give you a pat on the back. I'm proud of the lads because they played like a real team against a very good opponent. I think we're on the right track. I mean, that was the feeling I had after the match as a fan. Like, I appreciate the effort. I thought there was a lot, like we mentioned at the beginning, to build on. I think De Rossi recognized that too. But at the end of his presser is, I think, the quote that is most telling of what he expects, right? And it was it was the quote that's been around social media. Probably a lot of you have probably seen it already. And it was the, the one about being a, a disciple of Luciano Spalletti. So they said, what do you take away from this defeat? And he said, we take away a match to analyze. We'll analyze our fitness, our play, and our choices. I'm a disciple of Luciano Spalletti's. When people praised us because we lost but played well, he'd say, there's nothing to praise. You lost at home and you have things to work on. You can rarely say a defeat was totally undeserved. This wasn't undeserved. Inter weren't undeserving. It might have ended in a draw, but Inter weren't undeserving. If we wanted to compete with a team like Inter, an excellent team, we have to raise our game and become perfect by analyzing the defeat. If we go away, quote-unquote, happy because we played well but lost, that's a recipe for mediocrity, and that's not what we want. And, and I think as much as, like, for me going into the match, I said, and I said it on my other podcast, like, if Roma goes out and plays well and loses, just, like, to keep that momentum going, I'd be not happy with it, but I could I could accept it. De Rossi is not accepting the fact that, you know, we should be happy that Roma scored two on Inter. They're only the third team to do that this season in the league um, because they lost. And, and, and I, think it's the, I think it's the right attitude. Take away the positives, but you can't ever be happy with losing, I think, if you want to really grow into a top side. 
Yeah, no, I 100% agree there. Uh, I think that, interestingly, we talked a lot about Mourinho's ability to help shift the mentality for the side. And I actually, you know, despite the way that it ended, I still do feel that Mourinho did a lot in terms of trying to instill a winner's mentality into this side. I kind of wonder if this is the next logical step where these guys have officially won something. They won ECL. And yet throughout all of that, there was kind of the us against the world mentality that was instilled by Mourinho into the side. I think that mentality has a lot of benefits, but it does find a way in harder times to lean towards complaining. Yeah, and, there was some like scapegoating and, and, yeah. and right? Whether it's against a player, whether it's against a referee, it's understandable to be upset when things don't go your way, but to be so actively crying about things going not going your way does also instill a negative mentality. And honestly, the crying about things not going your way thing has been a part of Roma for a very long time, separate from Mourinho. Uh, there is a mentality gap, in my opinion, in that respect, between a lot of the big northern sides in Roma. Like what separates the top three in the all-time table from Roma is effectively that, you know, well, Juventus cheats. And then the Milan clubs don't complain as much. Um, and then Roma complains a lot. Um, and I guess I would say that the idea that De Rossi seems to be trying to instill, which is that we cannot be happy with this loss even if, you know, there are positives, that's the right mentality going forward. Uh, I think that it sets Roma up to be looking to constantly improve, which was already something that was being instilled in the side. But I think that it moves away from the kind of why always me, yeah, what moaning point of view that I would say is kind of the my least favorite part of the Mourinho experience. Uh, I think that doing it this way, saying we're going to work hard every night, sometimes we're going to lose, and we're not going to be happy when we lose, and we're not going to try to blame other things on the, the losses on other things. I think that that's the way forward now. Um, yeah, I, I've been, as you said, I've been very impressed with Dorothy's pressers so far. Uh, I mean, it makes sense in the sense that he's been doing press conferences since he was like 18, uh, yeah. that he knows how to talk to the media. That's not overly surprising to me that he can do that. Uh, and not only has he been talking to the media, he's been talking to the Italian media for 20 some odd, 25 some odd years now. Uh, so he's used to kind of the way that these things work, which is a good thing. On the flip side, I don't think I expected him to be this media savvy this quickly. Um, and that's also a positive sign for me going forward. I think that it can potentially set Roma up. I mean, I, I said this jokingly, there's a DC Roma group chat. Uh, I'm, I'm based out of Washington, DC. And at halftime when Roma was up to one, I was like joking that my next column for CDT was going to be why Daniele De Rossi is the new pep. Um, and I don't actually believe that. But, like, the combination of how De Rossi's been talking in the pre- and post-match pressers and what we've seen, even in this inter-defeat, makes me feel a lot more confident in his abilities going forward as a manager than I felt prior to him managing a game for Roma. And, I mean, I, Steve, you remember this. Like, when, when we were talking about the De Rossi signing, I was very hesitant. Um, yeah. when, it, when it came up as a concept, I was like, I do not want this. Um yeah simply because I was very worried that like a lot of other managers who are stars and legends for the club before signing on, that he'd fall flat on his face and that it would just, it was just something to please, please the crowds. And that was it. I actually think he might have the makings of a good stereo coach. I think that that I, I see that I see that coming together. I'm not ready to crown him even Roma's manager for the 2024-2025 season yet, but I'm a lot closer to feeling that way than I was even a week ago, which to me is actually one of the biggest takeaways from this game. Um, 
I feel way more confident in the idea that Daniela De Rossi could be next season's Roma manager than I did 48 hours ago. And I think that that is a pretty big win, win for the club, all things considered. Yeah, I think it's trending in the right direction with him in terms of the way he's he's approaching everything, the way the things he's saying, the, the tactics that we've been seeing and, and the, you know, the improvements under him so far. I, I, I do think it is certainly trending in that direction for Roma. I think I think it's going where we want it to go. We'll see how the season continues. He's still got plenty of matches to prove that he deserves to be the manager next season. I'm sure to the Freakins um, and whoever the new DS ends up being. But I am I am pleased so far. Um, with De Rossi. I, I really am. Um, and, and I was hesitant too, because I know he was always being, you know, his name was always being thrown around as the potential heir to Mourinho, whether it was, you know, a firing or Mourinho just leaving for PSG or, or whatever, like the situation might've been. Bren was um, always a big believer in that. And I was always skeptical. Yeah. And now I have yeah. to admit, Bren might've been right. Yeah. I, I didn't want him to get thrown into the fire too soon where he was not going to be able to handle it yet. And then it kind of tarnished his legacy and, it kind of burned too many bridges for his future in Rome, but he's doing everything we need him to do. And um, so far, I, I would be very, um, based off just four matches, I'd be very content with him being back next year to be the guy who is running the show. We'll see how it goes. I don't want to say, you know, it's it's 100%, you know, um, deserved right now, but I, I like what we're seeing. Um, let's take a quick break here just because we have to. And then we'll talk just a few minutes about the Fire Nord match. I know Brent's probably not going to love us throwing in this break at the 41-minute mark, but we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so Jim, last thing we'll wrap on so we don't run too long uh, is the match on Thursday, right? They have Mm -hmm. the the Europa League first leg against Feyenoord. I just want to double check. Is that in Rome or is that in Holland? Let me just double check because I haven't looked. So that that one is in Holland. So they're traveling for the first leg. Um, and De Rossi was asked, is the Europa League a priority for you? Do you think you're up to it? And his response was, and this is how he closed his post-match quotes, we have to be up to everything. We are, we're not inferior to anyone. If you look at the teams in the Europa League, there are some big names, some clubs with great squads, but we're just as good. We must keep working. We don't need to play everyone. We just have to beat Feyenoord. That's our goal. We have two matches, the first of which will be at a cauldron of a stadium. I should just write his quote, I guess. And we must be ready for it physically and mentally because it's going to be tough. So, Saying the right things, what do you what do you think of Thursday? I mean, Feyenoord, we know that stadium will be a cauldron because we've seen it before uh, last season, and we know they they damn well want to beat Rome after the last two years. I think that a big thing that's going to be at play, as I mentioned already, is that Feyenoord is dealing with a good number of injuries at the moment. Uh, not their their captain Troner, as well as um, a guy named. I don't know his full name. You're going to have to excuse me. His, oh, Quint, Quinton Timber um, will also oh, yeah. be out yeah. for it. Uh, two pretty important guys for their team. Uh, and I'm not going to say that I think that this one's going to be won based off of the fact that two players are out for Fine Nord, but I do think it'll be a factor. Um, I also think that, quite simply, Roma should be winning this match. Roma has the quality to win this match. I'm not particularly scared of Fine Nord. I do find it fascinating how we have somehow created a new rivalry out of thin air over the past couple seasons <laughs> with, with the Nord situation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, I had not really been very aware of fine Nord prior to this. Um, and now I'm very aware of fine Nord. Uh, but I, I think that if Roma gets out of this one with a one zero or two one um, victory away, that they'll be in good hands coming into the Olympico. Uh, I also agree with DeRossi's mentality here. Uh, zero percent surprising to me based on what we were just saying about how he approaches the press that he had the right answer to this uh but he did have the right answer to this which is we're facing fine nord we are as good as anybody else in the europa league but our focus is on fine nord right now um that is the right way to approach this type of tournament 
And, you know, we'll see. I still think that Roma has the ability to win Europa League this year. Uh, I think that this side has that capability and it would make life a whole lot easier um, to get that far, to get far into the Europa League. Because as we can see, top five, the fight for top five is probably going to be a bloodbath. Um, There are going to be a lot of sides who would be deserving of Champions League football this season in Serie A who do not get it. Uh, Given that, I want Roma to fight as hard as possible in the Europa League and not kind of dismiss it in the way that a lot of other Italian sides do. Because if Roma is able to get Champions League qualification, and not only Champions League qualification, but Champions League qualification in Pot A, I believe, is what you get when you win the Europa League, that you're you're seated first. Um, that would be huge. That would be a big thing for the club to not only be able to be in the Champions League, but to be probably presented with a easier um, easier group stage, though that would be that would be fantastic. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna put myself as cautiously optimistic for this one. I think that Roma should be getting a win out of this one. Yeah, if they can go to Holland and win the first leg, that would be huge. We know that. Um, yeah. I think at minimum a draw would be the the hope because you you come back to Olympico where you're very strong. I think they've lost two matches uh, all season, at least in the, in the league. I think it was just the Milan and the Inter defeats at home. Can't recall if they lost any in. Um, I don't think they lost any in the, the group stage at home. So you you have that going for you, right? The, the Olympico can be a cauldron in itself for the return leg. I, you know, it, it will be packed, I'm sure. So going to Holland, getting a result of some sort, keeping it, you know, manageable for the return leg is is, is has, that was the approach of Mourinho. That tends to be the, co- the the approach of most managers, especially when you're starting with the first leg away. A win would be a bonus. You just want to avoid defeat. I think most of the time. Um, but I do expect Roma to come out and play just like they played Inter, right? And the way they played yeah. the other three matches, and that's press high, try to force some mistakes, maybe jump on them, get a goal early. Um, they're not going to sit back and defend like Mourinho did. I, I don't expect that from Dedos. That's not in his bag of tricks from what we've seen so far, and I think that's important. Yeah. Um, looking at early, early projected lineups, it's mostly what we saw yesterday from at least what Roma News EU is putting out, and this is obviously them speculating as well, just like we can, but yeah, um, I, I trust you a bit more than them, but you know. Yeah, but just to give an idea what, of what the Italian media is thinking right now, four days out, uh, Svilar and goal, Karsdorp, Mancini, Lorente, and Angelino, because Hausen is not part of the um, European list for for this, um, you know, part part of the season. Bove, um, mm-hmm. Paredes, Pellegrini, because uh, Cristante exited with a minor back issue yesterday. We'll see if that is something that can keep him out or if he plays. And then it's the same strike force of Dybala, Lukaku, El Shirari. Um, you know, Smalling is expected to be on the bench, which gives you your third center back. Players mm-hmm. like Sanchez, Awar, Baldanzi, Zalewski, Asmoon, all on the bench to, to give you some reinforcements in the midfield and attacks. Um, Salik and Spinazzolo would be the reinforcements at, at the fullback positions because um, Christensen is also not on the, the list for UEFA. Um, and then it's Indica plays the final of the, the African Cup, so good luck to him today in the Ivory Coast. Uh, unlikely to be back and available so quickly for Thursday, maybe next weekend he's back on Roma's bench, I'd probably suspect. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think with that lineup, and you mentioned it, the, the injuries to Trauner, to Timber, they have uh, Vandebelt, Bijlau, and uh, Zetchel also injured, listed right now. I don't know how important those players are to them, but, I, I mean, I feel pretty confident with the way Roma played Inter. I, if Roma had gone out yesterday and gotten completely demolished by Inter, and I, I would worry about the mentality issues. Yeah, yeah. I would worry about I, that. But like, if you look I, at the post-match presser from uh, Gianluca Mancini, even uh, you yep. see, you know, maybe even a slight, a slightly more positive version of uh, of De Rossi's, where he said, you know, it stings. We only have ourselves to blame, but the results will come with these performances. Yep. Um, and I think that that is probably the right takeaway from this intermatch. Uh, I think that if it had been a far more lopsided score, then I would be worried about their mentality going to the Feyenoord match. But if Mancini, who I think is, you know, not obviously not the captain of the side, but in terms of leadership is definitely one of the leaders of this side yeah. for him to say, you know, we tried and we failed. This is the direction and we will try to do better. That's like, to me, that's the, again, an ideal thing to say after this type of match. And it gives me confidence heading into Feyenoord. Yeah. Um, I, I fully think we are capable of going to Rot- Rotterdam and winning. And, and yeah. um, a, a win would be great. A win would certainly be great. 
these Thursday 12:45 starts aren't ideal. Uh, some of it does fall on my lunch break, so at least I get to watch the first half live, and then we'll, then we'll see if I can, maybe got to watch the second half on delay. But um, mm-hmm. it, it'll be certainly something to see. Curious to see how, if the rivalry is the same without Mourinho there, because I don't know how much of that is a personal rivalry between Slot and Mourinho. Um, mm-hmm. Duros will be walking right into it, and you know he's fiery enough as it is. I'm sure he will take it and run yeah. with it because he was watching those matches as a, as a fan the last couple of years. Um, yep. I'm excited. I do think Roma, like Dorosi said, you, yeah, there's some great teams in the Europa League. Liverpool's there. There's some others. But guess what? You only have to play the team that's in front of you at that moment. Um, and that, I think, is what Roma was so good at the past couple of years in Europe under Mourinho. Uh, you know, they took a couple knocks here and there in the group stages. When it came to knockout rounds, you see who's in front of you, you, you manage it as best as you can, and you find a way to get past them and you move on. Uh, and they made two finals on Mourinho. So that, that pressure's on Dorosi a little bit, I think, in Europe. If they fall out of Europa League right away, I think that does. Um, hurt a little bit after they've had two deep runs under Mourinho because that was really Mourinho's feather in his cap was the way he was able to navigate Europe with Roma uh, in ways that other managers weren't able to always do, um, sometimes with better squads, I think. Um, but I think that Roma is fully capable of at least getting past Feyenoord and then you see who you draw and you take it from there. Yeah, 100%. And we we could have a very different opinion of Daniela Durosi if things implode against Fine Nord, I think. Uh, I think that that's probably the next big step for him to show that he can play on a European level. Uh, if I, My personal opinion is that my expectations now are that Roma gets to either the quarterfinal or semifinals for the Europa League. I don't think that that's far-fetched. Um, and once we get to the semifinals, we'll see where we are. Uh, yeah. Because a lot, after that point, a lot of it does come down to who you're, place, who you're yeah. playing. Um, and... Yeah, I, I'm hopeful. One thing that I'd love to see, you know, just before we wrap up this podcast, I'm hopeful that we see more of Baldanzi in these Europa League matches. I think that he was probably put in the squad for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that reason is that he can play at least, you know, 45 to 60 minutes as a Vice Dybala or a Stefan El Sharawi replacement up front, that to me would be ideal. I think that playing against the likes of Feyenoord is actually probably the perfect way to get him acclimated to playing for Roma, uh, as opposed to playing against Inter, which I mean, like he did have some sub minutes and I thought he was fine. Um, nothing, nothing superb, but like he did an adequate job. Uh, looking at being able to play against these sides that I would probably define as like mid table to like Europa League contenders in Serie A through the Europa League matches, I think that that will do wonders for him in terms of being able to acclimate to the team. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that's a great place to leave it. Uh, we'll be back next weekend or next early next week after the Frozenone match and this match, obviously, we're just talking about. So hopefully by the time we come back next week, we're previewing a, a Thursday match where Roma's in the driver's seat, can get it done at the Olympico and, and move on and and then just continue doing, doing what they need to do in the league. I think uh, just to leave it on Frozenone, I think you have to get the three points, right? You, you lost to Inter. You come yep. back, you get the three points, and, and you move, and then we see where we stand after all these makeup games are played and all that. But uh, I think plenty of positives to leave on with, even with a 4-2 defeat like we've talked about. So we thank you for listening. Uh, keep up with the site. We'll have plenty of you know, preview and post-match stuff for, for the, the Europa League and the Serie A match next weekend. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week.